Romans chapter number six, and, and uh, I do promise to be uh, short and have kind of one main application uh, to be made. Uh, again, we, we look at the fact that we've been free from the penalty of sin if you're saved, uh, and we had one person raise their hand today that they didn't know if they were saved or not, uh, and I always pray and, uh, and encourage people. If you do, uh, if you're sitting next to somebody and, and uh, they raise their hand or whatever and you notice that, uh, just just say, hey, would you like to go pray, or uh, can I ask, answer any questions for you, or like, would you like to go uh, and talk? Uh, that's uh, an important when some, when when people raise their hand, the, the Holy Spirit's moving, uh, and uh, that's a good opportunity to witness. So uh, tonight, we uh, mostly, of course, church family and and uh, folks that have made a profession of faith. We can be thankful that we've been set free from sin, that we've been set free from the penalty of sin, uh, and even though we are in the presence of it uh, in the world, uh, but uh, also um, uh, we're not immune to um, sin. We're, we're no longer under the penalty, uh, but we do struggle, but we struggle uh, in a lot of ways because we don't recognize um, by faith uh, and in fact, really, what we are and what we've received in salvation. And I alluded to it and, and kind of got distracted a little bit in two different ways. One was uh, using heaven. We believe in heaven. Uh, and uh, in, in hell and uh, in a lot of things that we don't see, and we believe them based on the promise of God's Word. So I know that I'm going to heaven, and I testify of that uh, because I've placed my faith in Christ, His finished work. That's what the Scripture says I need to do. I don't, there's no other hoops that I need to go through, and I believe that. Salvation is that simple uh, as the Holy Spirit uh, will uh, draw uh, a man or woman, a child, uh, to be saved. Um, but this principle is the same way. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's appropriated the same way. We can have victory. Victory is assured. Uh, we're, we are overcomers. Uh, greater is he than is in us than he that is in the world. We have all the, the tools, biblically speaking, uh, everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We're, we're, we are saved and in Christ. Um, and then, but we, we struggle um, with, uh, with sin uh, in our lives. Not that we're, it shouldn't be characteristic. For every Christian, if you're a, a Bible believer, your life should not uh, be riddled with uh, whether it's gross sin, um, you know, little sins. Uh, it, 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 you should be at the place to where um, you're never sinless, but you sin less uh, because it grieves the heart of God and you're walking with Him and you want to please Him. So when we keep short accounts with God, we're, we're not condemned. We're no longer condemned. Our sins are forgiven. Uh, but if I, you know, if I sin, uh, my fellowship with God is affected. My prayer life is affected. And so I want to confess that. And because I'm a believer, um, uh, that sin comes in. I, I want to I remedy that uh, right away and, and make sure that my fellowship... Uh, is not affected. Uh, but there's a mindset, uh, a, a, a feeling or thoughts of the heart um, that we need to embrace from chapter number six, and that will be our thought. Uh, so we'll begin reading. We ended up verse number seven. Uh, we'll read verse number eight. The Bible says, Now if we, uh, we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died... He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll stop there for just a second. I started to talk about uh, a, a story that I read about a slave uh, and uh, and uh, his his master, and it kind of it's kind of a neat story. So I want to I want to read that. And it says there was once a poor slave who was kept as a prisoner in the castle of his tyrannical master. The slave had to do all that his cruel master commanded and became more and more miserable because the tyrant exploited him and made his life one of unceasing labor and toil. Sometimes he tried to escape by leaning a ladder with ten rungs against the outside wall, but he could never get very far up the ladder before his master appeared and snatched him off the couple of rungs and beat him almost to death. There seemed to be no way of getting away from this bondage and his sufferings. And so happened that nearby there lived a great king who out of love for the poor prisoner planned a marvelous way to release him. He need not go into details except to say that the king killed the imprisoned slave by crucifixion and the tyrant came looking for his slave but found him dead. This meant to his annoyance that he could make no more demands of him. None of the rights which he had previously exercised over the slave could operate anymore. The master-slave relationship that had existed for so long was now at a permanent end. So in this make-believe culture, but also in uh, other uh, types of cultures, when there was uh, a contractual agreement, uh, oftentimes with slavery and other things. Maybe there was a debt that was owed um, when a person died that that was done. Uh, They weren't responsible uh, to continue uh, with, uh, with the demands. Uh, So when the slave's body was buried, the great king came along, raised him from the dead, uh, and took him to his own home. And the slave was overcome with thankfulness for the fact that he had been delivered from his condition in such a remarkable way and was overjoyed that he now found himself in the home of one so wise, gracious, and powerful. And it's all analogous to um, our king, King Jesus, who set us free. Uh, He paid our sin debt. Uh, And uh, so his heart was sincere with love and affection for his deliverer, the bondservant uh, type of attitude and spirit. Uh, The old relationship had been ended with his tyrannical master, uh, ended with his death, yet he was alive. uh, And he recognized that he was given newness of life through this king. And uh, so when the uh, the master, uh, the tyrannical uh, master had come back uh, and tried to, uh, to make him do stuff. Um, he, he didn't have to respond to it. He didn't have to listen to the commands. Uh, he was dead to uh, the ownership of that master. And that's really where we are at in Christ. Um, again, you can read in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter number one, uh, and uh, Ephesians chapter number two, uh, where we are in Christ, we died in Christ, if it's crucifixion, we were raised with Christ. Uh, in Ephesians chapter number two, uh, verse number five says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. You, you, so we've been made alive and quickened, quickened with him. So when you think about um, theologically, Um, I got saved in 1987. That's when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Um, But uh, my sin debt, theologically, uh, was paid at Calvary. Um, He doesn't, uh, he's not crucified afresh. It was a once-for-all payment. 
uh, that he had made. Uh, when, when he died, uh, I died with him. And when you look at the verses, by the way, uh, this is another message uh, that deal with uh, election and predestination and all that kind of stuff. That's, it, it has more to deal with uh, God's plan and sovereign plan and what he had done beforehand for us uh, than it is, does God pick and choose uh, whether somebody's saved or not? Uh, and, uh, and I always, whenever I meet people who are Calvinist families, a lot of times they have, they have large families. Uh, and it always amazes me that everyone in their family is part of the elect. Uh, and I've, I've asked them, I said, well, what if one of your kids is not part of the elect? And, uh, but it always, it always happens that they are. So it's amazing how, uh, how uh, that all works out. Uh, and, uh, but um, you, you do not need to respond uh, to your old master, sin. Uh, you're to reckon yourself dead to sin uh, and alive unto Christ. So we understand uh, that we are in Christ and we're dead to sin. But how do we practically live that out uh, in our life every single day? Uh, and uh, so the main thought is we're going to get here as we read in, down in verse number 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto the Lord. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And know ye not, or means, you know, don't you know, don't you understand, that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, that ye were the servants of sin, uh, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Uh, and uh, so there's kind of a, uh, another uh, kind of point. Uh, we've been set free from sin uh, and, uh, and made alive in Christ, uh, but we've become the servants of righteousness. So this mentality uh, that modern Christianity has that you, you get saved and you become a believer uh, and, uh, and you have a liberty, which the Bible expressly says is not to be used as an occasion of the flesh, but to serve one another. Uh, and the liberty that we have in Christ, we've been set free. We, be, we instantly um, take off the shackles of sin, if you will, and we become the bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We become servants of righteousness. That's why preachers never let you off the hook uh, about serving and, and doing. And as, until the Lord comes back, I'm going to harp on it. Um, because it's, it's, it's what every believer should do. Uh, and, uh, and, and when preachers, when we become cheerleaders and we're trying to push people and drive people and doing those things, we, we always go back to this, this thought or feeling that, okay, if people, if people love the Lord and are walking with God, those things just take place. They just happen. And it is true. But preachers get impatient uh, and, uh, and, uh, and oftentimes want for church members more than what they want for themselves when it comes to uh, service. We sang this morning, we're going to lay crowns at his feet. 
Uh, and uh, we want to stand before him. Uh, one, of, uh, one of my preacher friends, Bill Prater, uh, he, he posted a picture earlier today uh, of steak, uh, and it was like the most well-done steak uh, that I think I've ever seen. And uh, the only time I want any, to hear the words well done <laughs> are when I'm standing before the Lord, you know, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, uh, and uh, so, um, but, but we have to, God's going to look at what we've done and how we've lived for him, and he's going to give us rewards, and, and, and he's going to try those. Um, it's, it's kind of like, I was thinking about laying the song, when we, I can't remember which song it was, but we're laying the crowns at his feet. And um, there's a part of me, fleshly speaking, that I, like, I want to have more crowns than other people. Like I want to have more. To, I know I'm going to give them to them. And, and I know God doesn't allow sinful pride into heaven. Uh, but, you know, I've always been competitive. And, and, I've, and I've always, so it's like I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to go empty-handed. Uh, I don't want to stand before God and not have anything to give him uh, because I've not labored uh, as his servant. Uh, so we are to yield ourselves, uh, uh, our members, as instruments of righteousness and not unrighteous. So here's the main point. To live, practically live, uh, a holy life, um, we have to remember that our, relation, our relationship with sin is over. Um, when you got saved, you got the new creature, old things passed away, it's new. Been quickened, made alive with Christ through his shed blood. You are, you are no longer, you don't, you don't belong to yourself, you've been bought with a price. But you have to, you have to remember that what, what your, your relationship, your enslavement to sin is done. That's a fact. And, uh, and we have to reckon it, consider it, think about it, uh, and that's what helps us. So when, when sin has no power over us. Now you can take whatever sin and put it in the category and say, I struggle with, with whatever. Um, you, the, the, the way you have to get over your relationship with that sin and not respond to it. And, uh, and, and, one, and I'm, I won't get into it for sake of time, uh, but the, the idea is we mortify the flesh. We put off, we put on. Mortification. So whatever, let's say it's the sin of um, alcoholism. Um, you say, it has, I have no relationship with that sin. And I'm going to mortify and kill every single thing um, that would entice me and draw me. All right? So it's, it's, if it's, you can't watch TV, you can't watch, you can't watch NFL football because, because you're tempted by beer commercials then shut it off. You mortify. Mortification, that's the process. I no longer have a relationship with sin. I have a new nature. And by the way, that new nature doesn't, doesn't look at what I just said and go, oh, you follow me? Because his commandments are not grievous. When you're saved, you want to like, I, I struggle with sin and I really want to get victory over it. How do I do that? How do I reckon myself? It's the mortification of the flesh. We put our flesh under subjection. Uh, so like Paul said, that he himself uh, wouldn't be a, a castaway. Sin has no power over you. Um, you, ha- you, you have to uh, resist it, uh, it's de- refuse its demands. Uh, but, saying, but saying no to sin is not enough. Um, we have to devote ourselves uh, to the Lord. 
That's when it says, yielding your members, not as instruments of unrighteousness, but of, 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 of righteousness, presenting yourself to God uh, as alive in Christ, dead uh, to sins, and your members as instruments of righteousness. The old master, the flesh, the old master, sin, um, he can't, sin can't regulate your life anymore. Um, because transactionally, in Christ, it's been, it's, it's been done away with. So what we do, because, we, because we're not, we don't believe in sinless perfection. We don't believe that when a person gets saved, that they no longer sin, all right? Um, uh, we all sin. We've all sinned today, all right? Say, so how did I sin? You, you ate three burgers, Okay. Uh, you know, there's a word in that in the Bible called gluttony. All right. Uh, if you're like, oh, every time, every time you come up from a table and you can't breathe, um, uh, you got to pray. All right. Uh, and uh, and so we don't really talk about that one because we're Baptists. And uh, uh, but um, but you understand, we all sin. You sin today. If you haven't, you will. Uh, and uh, at some point. So 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 when you do, it grieves you. If you're a child of God, so you mortify, you say, can't, it can't regulate. I'm no longer under its law. I'm living my, I'm living my life uh, and uh, under God's sovereign kindness being, uh, I'm under his grace uh, and I'm, I'm done and I'm over that. Um, we, we don't respond. That's why when we think of deadness and when we got baptized, by the way, we said that to everybody who witnessed it. I'm, de- I'm dead to my old self and I'm alive under Christ. Um, I'm just not going to react to it. Um, and it. And it should be, um, by the way, with practice uh, and mortification, um, the enticement, being drawn away, lust, things. The, the, the more holy we become, the closer to Christ we become as Christians in our sanctification process, um, we, we should respond um, to sin way differently than we did when we first got saved. Um, it should be. It should disgust us more. Um, we should. We should be. Uh, instead of being conditioned by the world, to where where sin in all of its ugliness doesn't seem to phase us because we're so used to it. The closer we get to God, uh, the more appalled that we should be uh, at sin. We. When the older we get, the more gracious we should become, right? Uh, if we're, we should be more merciful and have more patience and kindness with people. Uh, but that doesn't mean tolerating sin. Uh, and uh, so, um, so we, we are free from the penalty. Uh, we live in the presence of it. And we're also freed from the power of sin in Christ. You just have to, you just have to believe it as fact. That's what it is when you don't, because you, you don't feel it. Um, there's going to be like, you know, here's, you know, here's a temptation. Well, if um, I'm responding to that, uh, whether it's mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever, there's that thing. What, what you do if you're, if you're saved, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, like that is happening all the time that you don't notice that happening. You shouldn't be enticed and drawn away with lust on such a continual basis that you just don't catch it when it happens. It should be, oh, I shouldn't look at that. I shouldn't go to this place. 
I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be around this person uh, or whatever. Uh, and uh, so we, we mortify. Sometimes it's things. Sometimes, sometimes it's not, I'm not saying mortify, kill another person. I'm saying some, you might not be able to be around those people anymore. Um, because because the, the relationship you have with what they want you to do, you're, you're, was, it was done with at the cross. And so we, we become servants of righteousness and say, you can't serve. The Bible says you can't have two masters. And so when you think that you can just serve God and serve man, mammon, you can live, uh, you can do spiritual things in the flesh, uh, we're completely mistaken. So what I've done, hopefully you will do, and it's an ongoing process, I'm not, it's not completed, but I go through my life every single day, and, 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 and I'm consciously thinking, my relationship with that is over. Somebody says, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you could just whatever? You know, not too long ago, I told somebody, so asking me about, you know, alcohol. And I said, you know what? I, I don't. I hate it, whatever. I said, but, but you, you, you're about ready to drive me to drink. <laughs> that was my response to them. You're about going to drive me to drink. And I was just saying, you know, you know um, more of a shot at what they were doing and how it just affected me. But here's the thing. Um, my relationship with alcohol is over. Um, I don't respond to it. I don't want to be around it, so I mortify it. So I don't want to be in places where it's served or whatever and, and try to be mindful of that. And, and it's consistent, obviously, you can be in the culture that we live in. Um, but um, it's done. So when somebody, if I'm tempted with it, I'm like, I don't respond to it. I don't, have, I don't, I don't want to have it. And um, because I'm trying to, uh, this is the principle. It's a fact. When I got saved, uh, I became dead to that. And so I just have to recognize it, claim it, whatever. If you want to name it, claim it, whatever. Uh, and, uh, but it is a fact. If you're saved, that's what happened. That's the tool that you have. That's how you get victory over whatever. If it's a, if it's a besetting sin uh, or whatever it is, um, who you are in Christ and how you've been set free. Um, I, you know, I think of, um, last uh, illustration, uh, our country and the freedoms that we have. Um, something was said earlier, like, okay, we're going to go, we're going 50 years in the past with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, uh, understanding, obviously, that it shouldn't have been there in the first place, wasn't a constitutionally protected thing. And, uh, but what they're saying, we're going backwards. They're saying we have freedom. We would, why should we go back to, to not having freedom was kind of the un- understanding of the mindset. When we've been set free, we're, we, we're, we shouldn't go backwards. That's the examples given, not a good example. Um, but God also says that when you've been set free, why go back to the weak and beggarly elements? Why go back to the hog slop? Uh, he that puts his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Um, why, if we've been set free from the, the shackles of sin, would we bind ourselves purposefully again uh, to do those same things that God saved us from? And, uh, and so one of the greatest privileges you have uh, as a believer uh, is the fact of Scripture, of transactionally what took place, your position in Christ, your disposition uh, with Christ and how you can live in the power um, of the Holy Spirit of God that you have to get over whatever it is that you're struggling with. You just have to say, I'm, I'm done with that. And give it to the, give it to the Lord and repent of it uh, and, and, and mortify uh, your flesh and you'll be better. We're out of time. Let's all stand. Uh, with our heads bowed and 
and our eyes closed. And just for a moment, maybe today for our invitation, it'd be good for us to just say, God, help me um, to mortify uh, my flesh. Here's the thing. Everybody in this room's got something. Um, some sin, some secret sin, some besetting sin, uh, something that you struggle with. Uh, could be a vice, could be an emotion, uh, could be a, a, an ideology, whatever. Uh, um, there's not a perfect person in this room. Uh, but the way that we all get victory, doesn't matter what it is, we want to say bigger, uh, sin is sin in the eyes of God. Uh, we think of big sins, little sins, or whatever. doesn't matter if it's a big sin, little sin. The way to victory is when you realize that your relationship with sin is over and you mortify the flesh and you no longer make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You get rid of the stuff. You don't go around it. Uh, you, you make set up boundaries, rules, standards, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, and you say, God, I'm going to live for you and walk with you. been set free. I'm not going to live uh, like, a, like a servant to sin. I'm a servant to righteousness. As the panel begins to play, let's just spend a minute in prayer with the Lord tonight uh, over those things. And just we've had, we are so blessed with what we have in Christ. I think we take it for granted. And I would dare to say that the average Christian abuses the grace of God on a pretty much daily basis. And we do it so much that it's become a habit. And, uh, and it kind of perseverates the whole cycle. 